Welcome to What Needs to be Said. I'm your host, Alex Regan. Join me on a transformative journey as we explore the power of speaking our truth, overcoming adversity, and discovering our authentic selves. Through personal stories of origin, struggle, and emergence, we'll uncover the profound truth that connects us all. Just as I wanted readers of my book, What Needs to be Said, to see themselves within the pages, my hope for this podcast is that you'll recognize yourself in each of our stories. Together, our collective storytelling creates a space for healing and helps us grow closer to who we really are, oneness. Get ready to embark on this remarkable journey of self-discovery and connection. Welcome to What Needs to be Said. This week I have with me Hannah Wallace. She is the host of the podcast Finding Grace, a disability model and advocate, a writer, blogger, speaker, and priestess. She guides people to find grace in their lives and to help them integrate their darkness and light and embody themselves fully with grace. Now let's get started. Welcome back to What Needs to be Said. I'm your host, Alex Regan. Today I have with me my friend, Hannah Wallace, who is the host of the podcast, Finding Grace. Hannah, I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Oh, I am so excited to be here and to have just another conversation with you. And I just know that we we get all the juice. We're gonna, I just know this is gonna be really great conversation. Definitely. We'll post this in the notes because I can't remember the number, but I was also on Hannah's podcast as well. So now we're doing a little trade, which is going to be great fun. So if you haven't listened to my podcast before, this is based on the pattern of my book of the same name, What Needs to be Said. And I talk with guests about their origin, a struggle that they've gone through and their emergence from that. And so this week, we're going to just dive right in. And Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal background and your upbringing? I would love to. So my my early childhood was fairly normal. I was a very, you know, ex- a very full of life person. I wanted to do all the things, the music, the dance, the drama, and, and have a social life. And I was a rebel. So it was, it was, there was a lot going on. But at the same time, sometimes I'd have weird things going on in my body. But I used to do a lot. So I used to always put it down to, oh, I'm doing a lot, you know, that, you know, that would be why until I hit 17 and basically I had felt quite unwell for a few weeks and then one day I became so unwell my life changed forever I basically became bed bound for months and months on end with very very severe at the time which was what I just thought it was was glandular fever but a very extreme version I think in the US you call it mono just for the US listeners um it was extreme. It went for my organs. And I, I felt, you know, it was, it was kind of like a shock and a trauma to my system, because it wasn't a case of, oh, I can try and push it. I was so sick. I couldn't, I didn't even leave the house for months and months on end. And it was very traumatic for that 17 year old that was so full of life with so much hope. And it felt like everything had been, it felt like I died almost like overnight. And I was just plunged into this dark space where I, I didn't know what to do. And I, even though I gradually started to recover from that, I never actually fully recovered. And this led me initially on a journey of me trying to figure out what was going on, you know, from many alternative therapies. I tried to go back into education. I just about finished, but I was pushing and pushing my body and 
I felt quite a lot of shame, really. You know, this was in like, you know, the early 2000s, 90s, you know, very different time than we're in now. You know, it was kind of a much more come on, crack on time. You know, you know, we know how the how how that that kind of generation that, you know, it was for us. And I knew something wasn't right. And so eventually I had a really good doctor, thankfully. She said, I think you must have like a post-viral fatigue. And I went through many tests at the hospital and they didn't really know what was wrong. So they said, yeah, you've got this, you've got this kind of chronic fatigue thing. And they they left it at that. This went on for years, tried every single healing modality. And I, and I convinced myself, you know, along with getting very depressed at this point, because at this point I was 19, all my friends were having normal lives, university, doing all the things. I was really sick still. And... I'm really blessed that I had so many people in my life supporting me, so many friends who didn't give up on me, who are still my really good friends now, who, you know, if I could only see them for half an hour, for an hour, they they came and they were by my side, which I'm so grateful for. So fast forward 10 years later, a friend of mine from a kind of chronic illness on Facebook, uh, so I'm very spiritual, like you, Alex, He's like the opposite. We're talking science king, literally, you know, we're well, opposite end of the spectrum. So we were just chatting one day, I think, you know, having a little spiritual debate as we used to like to do. And I was just saying about how I was experiencing, you know, some problems in my heart and stuff. And he said, I think you've got this thing called POTS. I think you need to go to the doctor and, and, and get diagnosed. And I was like, look, mate, I can't go to the doctor and say my mate Tim on Facebook <laughs> says I think I've got this thing and so he was like because he was thankfully because you know this is why we always have to be grateful for the diversity and polarity of people now because he is scientific and clear and concise he was like okay step-by-step -step process do this track this do it for a few weeks then take the evidence to your doctor so I did it because I thought actually this is this is palatable information then for the doctor. So I go to the doctor with it all. The doctor looks and Googles it. It's, you know, this is a long time ago still and was like, I think your friend is right. I'll refer you. So I had a very quick referral because it had been obviously a long time, you know, and I think my doctor was like, this, this could be amazing. Like we've waited 10 years for, you know, we've always thought something's not quite right. So I had the tests and it was pretty apparent. I didn't even finish the test. I passed out. So they were like, you've definitely got this. So they said, you need to go straight to a consultant. So I go to this consultant who, to be honest with you, I had prayed for a good medical professional because I'd been, I'd had a lot of medical professionals by this point. Quite a lot of them were patriarchal men with a God complex, quite frankly. And it was it was hard sometimes. I'd left many consulting rooms crying. And I was like, please, please, universe, just just be good to me. So I, I go in and I am greeted by an angel, an amazing doctor that listened and sat there. And very, very quickly, he said, I think that you don't just have this. I think they've got it very wrong. I think you have this Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's genetic. I'm going to send you to genetics. And I was like, I kind of had been thinking about this for a few years, but you know, you don't want to be that hypochondriac person that's like self-diagnosed. Like you, you get what I'm saying. Like we, you know, 
any rational person, you don't want to be that person doing that. And so it was a very strange thing. So I had to be referred. And by the time, you know, it was very clear, I got I got diagnosed. And then I was diagnosed with this, you know, situation where all of a sudden, my perspective of hope, where my ideas of healing had come from had to change. because, And I knew that deep down. And at, at this point, I had surrendered a bit and I was living life a lot more because I'd spent many years on this mission to heal myself for a long time. It became so obsessive that I almost wasn't living. So I really had to reclaim my power back on healing and, you know, just, just learn to live life again and, and, and be good to myself and realize that if I could learn to optimize my life and nourish my life in ways and stop trying to look to be this perfect person you know I mean I know you'll understand this Alex like this idea that if you feel there's something inherently wrong with you which is what I thought I thought I used to sit there for for a long time on end thinking there is something really what is wrong with me like is this in my head like you know for years I'd have this weird internal battle and so I had to kind of make peace with all those parts of myself that I'd been hard on and learn to live in a new space. And that's what I've done. I kind of found grace, which is where finding grace, the origin of that comes from for me, because it truly was a journey of finding grace. And I know you can really relate to that, you know, totally different journey, but in a way that when you finally get to that place where you can exhale, and it doesn't mean it's not been hard and it doesn't mean after that I suddenly was a walk in the park it definitely hasn't been but the reclamation that I've experienced during that time has been transformative and you know this has led me on the path to eventually be able to help others and and you know speak about this and also speak about this idea of healing because I think we get so fixed on this idea of perfection and how things are meant to look that we lose track of what's really important, which is, you know, ultimately what I did. And I just thought, you know, why, you know, especially when you're on a spiritual path, I thought if I do everything right, I'm going to be healed, I'm going to be fine. And I kept thinking, well, I'm doing everything. What the fuck is wrong with me? And, you know, I think, totally. I think there's this this the very fine line in life, and this exists in all all versions of life where things become toxic. And I think it's a very important thing for us all in life to become very aware of the lines that we're treading, and and make sure that we check in with ourselves when that is, and look, you know, is this taking me closer towards myself or taking me away? And is this bringing me joy? Hmm. Am I in joy? Because I think I had this weird idea. And I think anyone that's been through a huge struggle will understand this listening, that when things have been really hard or you want to look like you're trying or you want to look like you're doing your best, you cut yourself off from joy and fun and you don't believe you deserve to be doing that unless it's almost like this thing you've got to earn it or, you know, or people are going to think you're not trying hard enough to get better. It was it was so messed up and it feels so good now to just be in a place where I don't, not that I don't have to worry about it, but I can just be me where I'm at, what's going on. I can yeah. honor my body. I can listen to my body. I can learn to trust my body. And, 
And I've learned to become safe in my body because I think anybody, whatever that body issue, and I know you'll understand this, you didn't feel safe in your body. I didn't feel safe in my body for a totally different reason to you. You know what, Alex? It took me years to have that bloody moment where I was suddenly like, I'm breaking through here in some ways, but what's missing? And I, and I asked myself, do you feel safe in your body, Hannah? And I was like, oh my God, I don't. And when you have that moment, I realized that I'd been living up here in my head and that I'd, because I felt my body was faulty, I'd rejected. So I cut myself off. And, you know, I look at all the alternative people I'd seen. I looked at all the, all the many things. No one in all of those years of me doing things, no one had once asked me, do you feel safe in your body? Because how can any of us truly heal if we don't have that acknowledgement? And it takes time to really, you know, reorganize, reorientate with our nervous system, especially when society gives us the images of what is what we're meant to be. And we have to begin a journey back home to that. But what I do know, and I'm sure you know this too, it is possible. I'm not going to say it's easy but it's possible. And I, I just want people to know that. So there you go. That was a long story. Oh my God. (laughs) That's so beautiful. And one, I just think one, thank you for sharing that so vulnerably, because I know that's a lot of things to share in just that quick couple of minutes of an introduction of your origin story. But two, for my own personal sort of like journey, this is kind of funny to me because I'm really on my own journey still with my own reclaiming of feeling safe in my body. Like I'm still in that struggle for sure, you know, and it's also something that is partly to do with my health and my own, like going through these spaces of not having known and understand why is this happening? No one can find anything. Am I broken? Is there something totally wrong with me? And, you know, so I think this is such a universal, like the universe is nod to me to be like, this is a great time for this conversation just for me personally, even because I've really been going through a lot of that space where you're almost like, you're not living fully because you're so caught up in, I've got to fix this. I've got to get it to be different than it is. And that is just such a unfortunate space to be in because you really then aren't living your life and you're not really like enjoying a lot of things. Like you said, you're, the joy is really sort of cut off. Um, and so, you know, I just want to say that up front, I'm just kind of excited that this is today's conversation because I think it's, you know, the universe reminding me of my own journey and that like there is grace that needs to be found. And that's sort of probably what we're all missing a little bit of. I'm really, do you know what? And for you to share that, and it just makes me want to say to you, like, what I have to have that conversation, what would it be radically like to just continue to find out what's wrong, but become okay with what's going on without you needing to think you're broken or you need fixing that. Imagine if you could be okay with where you were. And right now, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you don't want that to change. But that radical acceptance of there's I'm not broken. There's something that isn't quite right, and that's okay. As humans, we're you know we're this kind of perfectly imperfect thing. But you know, I hope 
that other people listening who may be going through that can can share with us and you know don't have to feel alone because I think what happens and I'm sure you'd agree you actually feel very lonely even when you're surrounded by a lot of people that love you and care about you when you're in that space you start to feel lonely because you're like do they really understand or you know like fundamentally you know and look for you you've got that added dimension as well that you already had a huge disconnection to your body in another way that you've kind of had to spend years of reconciliation with so you've kind of been on that journey and then boom add a few health stuff in it's like you know it's like a double whammy there for you so I do think you need kindness I do think you need grace and maybe just choosing some fun and joy and know that you don't have to get it right you you don't have to heal to be okay you're okay right now as you are yeah yeah I always say you know what if we can't get it wrong and that's not really how society works right society's built around telling us you can definitely get it wrong and you know I kind of try to ask and remind myself what if I can't get it wrong and you're right I have had sort of this double whammy of you know, the health things that have been going on for a lot of years and the whole thing of being trans and being like, this whole body seems foreign to me as it is. And so, you know, it, my whole journey has been about coming home to myself and finding a way to be comfortable in my own skin. And so I think, like you said, anybody listening, hopefully can relate on some level to what we're both talking about, because I think a lot more people you know, the degrees might not be to this extent that we're talking about that our experiences have been from. But I think most people know what it's like at some point in their life to not feel like they belong even to themselves. And I think, you know, that's so important, you know, tying back in the spirituality, oftentimes it's easy to sort of spiritually bypass a lot of the things and say, oh, but <laughs> love and light and all is well and all of these, you know, wonderful things. And it's like, you know, no real spirituality, in my opinion, is doing that deeper work to uncover how do you get to that grace? How do you get to that space of self-compassion and love? Because I, I kind of wonder if we struggle so much with what's going on in society with each other, the wars, the fighting, the killing, the, everything that we do to each other is partly because, you know, all of the the Bible and all the spiritual traditions kind of say the same thing, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, but we don't love ourselves no. and nobody really teaches us how to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's an important space for us to be willing to dive into and look at. Cause I think that's where we solve these issues from um, not like, Oh, I need to get you to do something different and then I'll feel better. You know, that's not really how it works ever. And it's really interesting you say that because when we we need to love ourselves, society tries to give us specific ways to love ourselves. And if we don't fit into those boxes um, or we don't connect to those ideals, then how can we love ourselves? Because when we're, we're not fitting into those boxes. So it's kind of like people are, are trying their hardest. But I think that's a really radical thing that you've actually said about you know love your neighbor well how can you love your neighbor when you don't love yourself and that is you know that's you know that affects all of us that seeps down to all of us in some ways and then we've got to think back you know aside from that we've been most of us have been brought up in families by people that don't love themselves because so the the you know exactly. the trauma 
on all the different levels, you know, everyone experiences it differently. It's there, whether it's micro or huge, whatever that is, there is, there is a story and a lineage that runs down through people's kind of hearts, minds, souls, and bodies that we cannot deny. And, you know, I'm really glad you brought up about spiritual bypassing because it's a thing, it happens. And I think a lot of the time in those younger years, I look back to that younger version of me who was really traumatized because I think there was a lot of spiritual bypassing I was experiencing. And that's where I started to think there was something wrong with me because I... I was taking things too literally and I just want to hold people and say to anybody that's in that space like please give yourself grace like nothing is black and white I know we can see very rigid ideas especially in the world of the internet now especially with people saying that you if you do this if you follow my step process if you do this you can get this blah 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 it doesn't matter what it is like I think it's just really important for us to reclaim those parts and say everyone's different what is going to work for me is not necessarily going to work for you we can inspire we can advise we can say to someone look I tried this it could work for you but I think there needs to be this real idea where we draw a line under this idea that you're you're doing something wrong if something's not working because the the truth is that that's not going to work for everyone totally yeah that that reminds me of you know growing up in the christian church that i grew up in you know there was so much around prayer and that if you pray enough god's gonna like fix these things and i always even remember as a kid thinking how that's so loaded because what happens to the family who prayed for their child who has cancer and then the child dies and they didn't pray well enough or they didn't you know like that's kind of the message that we're sending and i think that same thing happens in the spiritual realm where people say you know oh try this inner Energy healing that I do or this Reiki work for me and and it's not to disparage any of those modalities that I think have great potential to do wonders for all of us but it like exactly what you said it doesn't always work the same way for every person and maybe each of us are facing our own individual journeys lessons uh, you know whatever growth that we're trying to go through and so the things might not always work the same and it's such a slippery slope to kind of put that on, oh, well, you're just maybe not doing it right, you know, <laughs> and and then we take that on and think, wow, I really am broken because I can't, so-and-so did this and it worked great for them, you know, and why isn't this healing my body or why isn't this healing my heart or my mind? And, and you know, it just doesn't always, it doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. And I like to think about things as a holistic approach there that, you know, it's the same with holistic and medical stuff. And I know people don't always want to hear this, but sometimes we've got to fuse the two. Sometimes it can be all one way or all the other way, and there's no right or wrong. And I think it's when we start putting these labels on things and we start giving things labels, like what you said about religion and prayer, like the very base in the root of prayer, as we know, is the most amazing, beautiful thing to be able to pray and pray with other people is amazing, beautiful thing. But when we start putting this label on it of like, if you don't pray right, then you, you God ain't going to give you like that is like, it, it, it changes everything in the way people look at things. And when people are being brainwashed over and over, and it doesn't matter what the religion, what the spirituality is, 
it it's all the same when it starts becoming this incredibly rigid structured way and and us not saying to people you know what it's okay I tried this I know it didn't work for you like I just wish someone had come to my younger self and and helped me out there and said that because you know it would have saved me a lot of money for one and you know actually a real great moment for me was when a therapist I was seeing doing um doing something with she'd actually said to me she was holistic and alternative she was like have you considered just stopping and I was like thinking in my head my brainwashed head excuse me I am paying you I was thinking <laughs> like and she said totally and she said like you know I'm I'm think we need to stop doing this I I really like you I'll still come around for a cup of tea but we're, we're gonna stop and I was really pissed off with her initially because I thought, well, you know, why would she do that? Why would she say that? But I let that land with me and I realized I needed to live my life again and have fun, like I said. And I also realized that when a doctor said to me, I needed to grieve, I needed to grieve the versions of myself that were no longer there. That was a radical thing to be told because I didn't realize I was so young at the time that living grief was a real thing and that, you know, and you will have experienced this on a huge humongous level of like feeling like you're dead, but alive. And no one talks about this weird feeling that exists that you've gone through this. Like I just had this weird thing in my head that I just need to get back to that person. Like either it's two things with people. They need to get back to the person or they need to get to someone. So it's vice versa that you can be trying yep. to get back or trying to go forward, depending on where your what what your requirements are. I just thought if I could get back to her, I'd be normal again. And I had to learn to accept I was never going to be that person again. And that that was yeah. hard. Yeah. That was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. I mean, what were some of the things that you did to help yourself with that grief? Cause like you said, I mean, you're so young, you were this vibrant running around causing trouble, little rebel, having a great time in this world and had a lot of plans. I'm sure that you wanted to go and do still. So to be that young and to not really, gosh, I mean, I think, you know, I don't understand grief always. And I'm like 45 years old, but like to be, you know, 17, 18, 19, that was also when I was going through a lot of that space with my starting with my family, knowing like, oh, I'm going to disappoint some people. People are going to like run away screaming from who I am. How do we heal that grief? I mean, I think that's such a big thing that we're, we're not always prepared for, or again, taught about, you know, it's like just not a thing in society where we constantly talk about the grief that we're all really going through and that's really deep inside of us. It's really deep. And I think, you know, actually the, what we need to do is have the space to emote that, have the space to talk about it in a space where we don't get answers. It's not about an answer with grief. It's about just that space being held mm. and, and also not putting a time limit or a time pressure or, something on ourselves that we need to get from here to there because I think some of us are so brainwashed into this idea that if we set this do this follow this plan I think with grief you have to take a step back and allow and be and that's where grace comes in and I suddenly I had a moment when I, it was it was really bad and it you know I'd been I started to get very depressed which is totally understandable and um 
I, you know, and I think I had to go through that. I think that was, it was a natural thing that it would have been abnormal if I, if I hadn't experienced that, that darkness, so to speak. And I had a moment where it was like, I was almost like, okay, what can I do here that I have control of? And I thought the one thing I have control of here is my mind, even if I don't have control of my body. So what if I do my very best to strengthen my mind and just bring peace to it? And I began that journey and it was so powerful once I'd made that decision because I realized no matter what we want in life, the most important thing we can ever have is peace of mind. Because if we have peace of mind and we can bring that down into our bodies, it changes our world. And I, it was such a radical moment, me, me coming to that space and realizing that and and then just allowing it. And I remember many years later having a moment where I was like realizing the very thing I'd asked for, I had a lot more of that peace of mind. And, you know, it's like that saying, isn't it, that one day you'll be in a space where the thing, very thing you prayed for you, you you've experienced. And, 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 and I was like, you know what, I, I'm really grateful right now because I'm not perfect. Things aren't how I thought I wanted them to be, but I do have peace of mind. Like, let's be honest, <laughs> that is worth its weight in literal gold. Like you can't, yes. you know, that, that helps you, that helps you survive in this world. Definitely. Oh my God. For, that's just an understatement. I think <laughs> really at the end of the day, it reminds me of, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Um, it's called under the Tuscan sun with Diane Lane. Um, but I love that movie because all through the movie, she's asking for a family. She's asking for a, like a wedding. She's asking for kids running around and, and she just feels like she's never getting what she wants. And at the very end, there's like a wedding that she's holding at her house and there's all these friends and family around and there are kids and her guy, like her friend comes up to her and he says, Oh, it seems like you got everything that you wanted. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know? And he repeats back. He's like a wedding. And then there's, they show the two kids that had just got married at, at her house and then a family. And then it was like her best friend is living with her with a baby. And he like lists all the things that she had wanted. And it turns out she did get all of the things that she had wanted, but it just didn't come the way she, you know, had, what she meant, you know, kind yeah. of. And I think that's such a good like lesson to us is like, it doesn't always come in the way that we, you know, think that it should. Um, and maybe that's part of our incapacity to like, uh, we can't zoom out very well, right? Yeah. We see a very narrow, small little life that is just right in front of us, like a foot or two in front of us. And our higher self and our spirit and all that, like has such a broader vision of what's available to us and what can come to us. And, you know, I think sometimes we we can sort of forget to tap into that and see the bigger picture. Yeah, and I think we live in a world where we're chasing things continuously, so we never stop to pause and integrate. And it's something that I really try and reiterate in the work and, and the speaking that I do to like get people to come to that moment of pause to integrate. Like, it's great having goals, it's great having aspirations, it's great to be inspired, but do you know what? You can suffer burnout with that. And no matter what society will tell us, if we don't take a time to, to breathe and to step back, 
and to experience the cyclic nature of life that some seasons we're going to be in seasons where we're going to be thriving other seasons are those more inward seasons and that's okay everything has its like place and its purpose and it's sometimes during those inward seasons that we really get the opportunity to feel experience and see the magic that we've created in the past and be able to see with the perspective actually you know what you know I'm not saying it's not been hard but I'm you know I'm really proud of myself for doing that and and I think it it's just having the capacity to do that but no one teaches us that, do they? Nobody sits us down as kids and says to us, it's it's strive, 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 hustle, 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 do, do, do. And and no one tells us the importance of stopping. Nobody nobody says that. Nobody says you need time to integrate things. Um and and that's the biggest gift we can give ourselves because it allows us to truly become present and experience life in a whole new way. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think so much of this is just spot on saying most people are not taught this. Our parents weren't taught it. Their parents weren't taught it. You know, it really is this ancestral pattern of just kind of all making the same, I want to say mistakes. That's not necessarily the word I mean, but just making the same patterns, I guess, of this is how it must be done. And I do think it takes you know, maybe those of us doing deeper emotional, psychological, spiritual work to catch these spaces and realize like, oh, I actually want to do this different. And then I think maybe that's why there are teachers in this world. And what I mean by that is like spiritual teachers, not because anyone is like a guru or they have found the right answers, but because we can then share each other, share with each other, hey, you can break this pattern too, whatever the pattern is in your experience and look at it with new eyes and a new lens and and try to do things in a new way that's going to be healthier for you so that you actually can live as opposed to just like we're saying striving for more 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 or thinking I loved when you said it's like we're either trying to get to some version of ourselves over here or back to some version of ourselves that we used to be and the truth is we you can't be either of those things yeah. <laughs> right now and maybe never, you know, right now where you are is here. And, you know, my therapist always tell reminds me of the sort of, you know, radical acceptance, you know, like that's is a radical idea to be able to accept what is while still holding the space and room for hope and expansion and growth and healing. And also, like we're saying, the grieving over potential loss of you know, who we were at that other time before things changed or expanded or evolved. Mm, it's, it's so huge. And, and radical acceptance, I believe, saved my life. Because when, when I did that, I, 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 I got my life back. And, and like you say, it didn't mean that I haven't. Ironically, I got so much more, and I want to say this on the podcast, I got so much more when I did do the radical acceptance because it was weird it was almost that deep surrender, that radical acceptance allowed the things to come that I'd really wanted to come in, allowed me the space to look forward, to be able to move forward without that that fear that was moving forward with me. I was able to move forward with a whole new perspective and that I didn't necessarily need to change myself. I could move forward as this version of me, whatever was going to happen, but I could do the things I want to do. And I could show up as me exactly as I was. 
and that it was safe for me to do that. I think, you know, we live in a world, the biggest issue is that as well as not feeling safe in our bodies, people often don't feel safe to be themselves in this world. And, you know, rightly so. We live in a world where, you know, it, it isn't always safe for people to be themselves. And, you know, and so I think it's this continuous balance that we're learning to dance in to, to find ways to navigate that in the world we live in today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. I mean, I think that is such a, you know, I think about the safety I've felt physically in the world as being trans or queer at times. I've obviously have not felt always safe to be myself and then other spaces I have been. But I think about, you know, when you said showing up as yourself, gosh, I had this flash of myself about how many times, you know, I've been maybe at a work conference or a work event and just thought I have to push through the things that are my physical, like, you know, my limits might be less than what someone else's limits are. But I've always felt like, oh, no, I have to push beyond this to the point where sometimes I've come home and almost felt like I did a debt, a detriment to myself, you know, where the point I almost felt like I've done a detriment to myself because I've pushed so far beyond my boundaries because I didn't feel safe saying, hey, I actually have to say no to this thing because I don't have the, the physical capacity to do X, Y, Z. But we don't always feel that those spaces are safe enough for us to say, I've reached my limit. You know, I'm like at my maximum. And when you said that, it just that really hit me in so many ways that I've burned myself out and gone beyond, you know, and caused myself damage probably ultimately because I have pushed beyond what I knew my limit was. And I, too, have done exactly the same. Um, there have been many times when I'd return home to my mum in tears because I'd overdone it because I'd felt, you know, it, it's taken me a very, very long time and still there's some shame, still like I still have the ability to push through a lot of discomfort if I need to and, you know, I have to really check in with myself and remind myself but it's it's been a long road for me that and, um it takes a lot of courage for us to really break that chain and be like, you know, especially where you don't feel safe. Like with my really close friends growing up, like it was a very safe thing for me to say, oh, I can't do that, but I can see you for an hour. I can do that or I can't do that. They got it, but it felt like not safe to do that in the outside yeah. world. Um, and, and um, yeah, it was, that, that was, that was hard, you know, um, really, and having to reconcile with the idea that the outside world is so black and white, if the outside world decides that you look okay, um, you feel you're having to justify to other people, like, you know, like someone asks you how they are, we know the whole story, if they don't really want to know, and then if you tell them the truth, they're like, oh, but you look great. Um, well thanks appreciate yep. that but actually things aren't and and I found that a really hard thing for a long time to have to come to terms with um and yeah to to to, to get to grips with and my mum you know I, my mum used to always say to me like why do you care so much because she's so like hardcore with like that type of thing very much like like why do you care darling like she's so I just wish I had that that ability that she has like if people say stupid disability things to me and she says she just gives them a face she doesn't even ding them with a response and I'm like I can't be like that <laughs> I find myself being English and polite and she just gives them a face 
she doesn't even deign them a response. I love it. And I'm like, oh my God, like, why can't we all be like this? I love it. We need more of your mom around in the world. <laughs> we really do. It's like, you know, you know, when I've said things to her, I'm being oversensitive with things. She's like, well, quite frankly, darling, that's their problem. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and she's. But I still feel bad about it. <laughs> and she is so damn right. But my God, like, it's been a yep. for me. And, you know. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, learning to listen to our bodies and speak our truth and be able to save those things is so radical. And I think we're probably still learning. You're probably still learning. I'm probably still learning there because, you know, the sneaky, the sneaky thing when I'm in environments with people that I don't think are going to understand will still sneak in because it's I'm human, you know? Yep. It's always, I always just try to think it's just another opportunity. It's another layer beneath the issues that they started out as peel away, peel away. And it's just more things to heal. But it is easy to think like, God, I thought I dealt with this or I thought I had fixed some of this, you know, and then sometimes you feel right back in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That feeling of I thought I dealt with this, like, you know, it's wild but I remind myself that every time a new layer of I thought I dealt with this comes through I'm seeing it from fresh eyes and a new perspective and that that that's where the wisdom's at yeah for sure well are there any other tools um that you can think of that you kind of used on your own personal journey that helped you kind of move from that struggle into this emergence where you are now and again not to say you don't still get hit with it at times and that we don't still get tripped up but you know any other things you just might want to share as far as tools that have worked for you Ooh, yeah I mean the obvious one I know it's so cliche for me and I I say for me because I know it doesn't work for everyone for me meditation has really really helped me different kinds as well that for me has been the one foundational committed thing and learning to breathe properly has been so helpful to me even when I felt very physically unwell just being able to do that in a space um biggest tool learning how to regulate my nervous system it's the one thing that took me years to get to grips with but learning how to do that and that whole being safe in my body for me was the most radical tool but yeah nervous system regulation because it's 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 truly life-changing and I think more of that attitude especially with disability as a wheelchair user learning to not get a hard skin because I don't want to harden in society and I do think we need to speak up and and stick up for ourselves but also recognizing that often people are unfortunately coming from a lens view of they just don't get it and it does it doesn't mean we don't have to say something but it's saying something from the perspective of knowing that actually they're just not getting it and they're not understanding why this is important it's I you know and I look at the you know with trans rights you know when people don't get it it's like because they're seeing it through one lens like you know people when I say like all businesses I'm like why the hell do places not have ramps like this is 2023 like why am I still having these conversations with people and I have to remind myself yeah. it's important to still make a stance like because you're not just doing it for yourself, you're doing it for all the others that have come before and after you and for the people that don't feel they can speak up. But it's also remended not to be so mad about it because actually some people, a lot of people's brains don't get it and they don't see the importance of it. So I think 
when you say tools, it really has been that deep, continuous, radical acceptance. And, and I think what helps strengthen that, the reason why I said about meditation and finding the right way to meditate is the key because everyone is different there. And feeling good in your, your kind of space to, to, to be able to do that. That creates a foundation, I think, a kind of a strong internal muscle that allows you to just kind of be able to move forward. You know, for me personally, I love EFT, for instance. It's not for everybody, but I love a bit of tapping with Brad Yates, who's my, like, favorite EFT tapper on YouTube. I've been doing it for years and years and years. But I know some people it does very little for, but for me, that really helps. It's kind of just a little gateway that if I need a little bit of a boost. And I think with all of these things, with all of the tools, Gratitude, of course, for me, I've done a gratitude diary for many, many years now. And that's been really great on those bad days. Even if I haven't been able to feel much gratitude for myself, I've turned it outwards. Feeling grateful for good things happening for the people around me, feeling grateful for what I have or feeling grateful for the support. And I think it's always trying to look at things in a way how if we can't quite, if we don't feel we've got the capacity for ourselves, how can we turn it out outside of us? And, and, you know, by doing that, it, it can really be transformative. You know, for instance, last night, my friend got engaged. That was for me just so joyful, just to be able to share in that gratitude. And I woke up this morning feeling that joy for someone who I know has had a real journey to get there. And so I think there's always a way that even if you don't quite feel safe enough to do it for yourself, that, you know, the, the greatest tool I would advise anybody is to find a way to make it work for you. With every tool you approach, it's always looking at it from the angle, from the perspective that's going to be safe to work for you. And we're not told that by 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 most people. We're told it's being done this way. And if you do have to tailor something, bloody well tailor it. And if someone says, oh, well, it's not going to work if you do that, it's what you believe. So, you know, and, and approach things in the way that is going to feel good for you. Totally. I mean, I love that idea too of, you know, you can take what works and leave the rest. You know, if you try out some type of meditation or there's some type of, type of tapping and you like some piece of it, but not the rest of it, dump it and take that little piece that works for you and go on with that. And I think, yeah, there doesn't have to be such taking that whole things are not so black and white. There is all gray. It is all gray. <laughs> the whole thing is gray area. And yeah, so the more we can do that, the more we're comfortable in our experience because we can just take what piece works for us because while we might all be connected as part of oneness and wholeness, we individuate as these ego beings that look like separate individuals on this planet. And so it makes sense that one thing might work for me that might not work for you. And that's okay. But we kind of, you know, we kind of, trick each other into being like, oh, well, then there's even something more wrong with you because you can't do it the way that I can do it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And also seeing from different points yeah. of views, like I think the hardest thing that we experience in this world is, is when we feel very strong about our views and we should never stop striving for the things that feel right and true to us. But it's, it's really having the grace to recognize that some people are never going to change and I know you've personally experienced that and I think that's the hardest thing in the world and the biggest finding grace because we have to reconcile with that in a way and 
find a way to be able to move through that and, and forward through the other side of that. And what does our life look like beyond that? And how can we find joy beyond that as well and make our lives work even if someone doesn't, someone we love especially doesn't line up to something that we believe. Like, you know, that term love your neighbor yeah. never becomes more true when we're in those situations. And it can be incredibly hard for us to find ways to work with that. But again, it all works on this idea about we, we give as little or as much as we can. So if you don't feel you can give someone a lot of love at some point because they're disagreeing with you, that's okay too. And I think it's really coming yeah. back to that place in our hearts and ourselves. Yeah, agreed. Beautiful. I love it. Well, tell me in your area of either personal expertise, in your area of expertise, in your speaking, writing, your podcast, whatever works for you, what else do you think needs to be said? Well, I mean, for me, it, it comes back to the whole disability conversation. I think what needs to be said is that we need to be having more conversations. We need to be, you know, and and we need to be seeing more people in in all the areas of the world that much of that has been hidden from media to fashion, not not tokenism either. And, and I appreciate things have to start somewhere. But I also think it's coming back to those basic needs, like not making people think you're doing a really what needs to be said is that stop making people feel like you're doing a big deal for getting a ramp or making something accessible or, you know, and you know what, even if you don't understand it, I want you to come back to that space of what if that was my mother, brother, sister, or however you want to think about it. Because as soon as we switch it to thinking about how that could affect us from that perspective, it changes things for us. And, you know, it, mm. it, it's, it's having the grace essentially, you know, for us, if someone is bringing something forward to the table and saying, look, you know, it's really challenging for me to get in here actually thinking okay how can I make this work for that person what simple things can be done and and, I, and it kind of we're still at a place in the world where that that needs to happen and that needs to change and we need to stop making a big deal out of it and it needs to be something that is just so radically normal that it's not like oh look Hannah this place is accessible like it's kind of weird <laughs> that we even live in a world that you have to think about that you know um and I get it with totally. old buildings I get it with stuff but I think there's always ways to make things work and I think sometimes it comes down to people not wanting to always look at that or know that the extra effort that's involved with that so for me that's what needs to be said um you know quite radically and to you know for for us all to continue conversations I get that if you're totally unaffected by some things in life that it can be like very disconnected for you to have those conversations but I think it takes a lot of us to sometimes look outside the box and say okay even if I'm not what if I tried you know even if I don't fully understand that what if I tried at least and and I think I think that that's what it comes down to um so yeah that that's for me what needs to be said that we just need to continue those challenging conversations around disability and and also demedicalizing everything. I feel like in the world of disability, it's so medicalized for people that they they don't get to live full lives a lot of the time, people, because it's just this very clinical situation. 
you know, especially if people are needing to seek extra help from care and PAs and stuff, like it just gets so medicalized that people have to struggle for like those basic needs to be met rather than having life to live as well. So for me, we do need to continue that. And that's not to say it's the most important thing in the world. I think it's just one of the important things that of the many important things that we need to be talking about. And it's been a conversation that's been happening for a long time with not a lot, like changes are made and I can acknowledge that. But I should be able to travel on an airplane safely and know that that 100% experience should be an easy experience for me. It should not be a struggle. There should be a universal, worldwide state of things in place so that people can safely travel on a plane without fearing that certain things are going to happen because that is still happening. I naively thought 15 years ago when I had a bad experience for the first time, in the future, this is going to get better. It hasn't. I had a bad experience a few months ago on my holiday. Sadly, I'm that used to it that I'm almost able to, you know, be able to be like, oh, well, this is standard. But that, you know, that's why I need to have this conversation still, because myself and yeah. others, you know, are still experiencing that. And, you know, so, yeah, that that's what needs to be said from my perspective. Thank you for that. I mean, I think that's so important that we end up lowering our standards because we're like, oh, well, this is just how, how it is. And it's like, no, it shouldn't be this way. Like you're saying, it's 2023. These conversations have been had for a long time. The fact that we're not, maybe it does go back to one of the things that you said is that maybe sometimes our our vision is so narrow in our own experience and what comes up for us that we really don't even pause to think how other people around us who don't have the same life experience are experiencing the world around them and that it's not accessible. It's not easy for them to get through and buy and do the things that they need to do to just live their lives. And we could all learn from that experience on all levels then, you know, that could help trans rights issues with disability, with people of color. I mean, just being willing to say, gosh, I'm going to open my eyes to a perspective beyond my own would help the whole world globally and help us really to see each other through a better lens of humanity that we're all just humans trying to get by and live our lives. And we all need a little bit of assistance in one way or another. And if we could just give that to each other, as opposed to this kind of withholding, well, if you get it, I don't get something or whatever that happens um, that makes us sort of numb to that. It's very... It's very heart-wrenching, honestly. Yeah, really. I mean, like imagine an idea where as a trans person, whatever stage you're in, you could safely just go somewhere without there being any weirdness, without there being like, the, the, the crazy thing is right now, it's still not possible in all areas of life for people to do that. And that is kind of like people just trying to live their lives and they're a bit different and that's fine. And, you know, it's it's yeah. like the disability conversation. That's why these things need to be said. Definitely. Amen to that. Agreed. Well, I just want to thank you so much. I always We always have serious but also fun conversations on here. So I like to end with kind of a fun question that I like to ask all my guests. So let's see. Today, I think I, I'm feeling then that if you were like a character on a TV show or a movie, who who would you be? Oh, 
what a great conversation. Oh my goodness. Um, character on a TV or a movie. Fantasy, maybe I'm going to be Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. I'm just going to go with the flow of that. I think that could be really good fun today. I mean, my alter ego in my other life, I, I love really it. wanted to be an actress. So there are many things, but I think that could be really good fun today to be Elle Woods um, in Legally Blonde. That's who I am today. That sounds good. That sounds great. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. They can find me at www.hannah-wallace.com. That has, that's my kind of home as well. My blog, my podcast, you can access all of that there. Then you can connect through then to my Instagram, which is kind of the place where I'm mostly at, the Hannah Wallace. And again, there's all the links to all the places. And yeah, like I would love for you to connect with me and I'd love to, you know, anyone that wants to continue these conversations and listen to my podcast. It's on all the the, the places and Alex and I did a great episode. Um, so yeah, come and listen. It's, uh, it's we're, we're, we're past 150 episodes almost. So yeah, that's very exciting. Fantastic. Plenty to listen to there. I will definitely add that in the show notes for everyone. Well, Hannah, I just want to tell you, I love you. And I'm so appreciative of your work in the world and that the universe brought us together because I just think we're just, we're kindred spirits. I agree. I agree. And we can actually thank my dear friend, George Lisos for making his gay sex podcast because which I was obviously the rebel of instrumentalness to be like, you need to do this was how, when I saw you, I was like, I need to have a conversation with this person. As soon as I like checked you out, saw your book, I said, George, I need to talk to this person. So thank you, George. Yes. Thank you, George. If you're out there listening, we love you too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for being here. We'll see you next week on what needs to be said. <laughs>